to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we're taking you through the best bits of the five levels of leadership by John C. Maxwell, proven steps to maximize your potential. We did the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which is a very good leadership book. I personally read the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, thinking it sounded cool, but I couldn't finish it. But the five levels of leadership was better than the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, which is good. Yes, he has done it again. And with this book, as the title suggests, there are five levels of leadership. And as you progress in your leadership abilities, you can go from level one, level two, it's yep. like climbing a ladder. <laughs> Maybe you end up Makes on sense. level five. I think people probably could have worked out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, probably something you probably couldn't work out straight away though is he says that as you move up a level, you don't actually leave the other one behind. So it's not like a ladder where you climb up and leave level one behind you the end up follows, on level yeah. two. Uh, yeah, the, the rung just keeps moving up. Basically, you build upon each one. It's almost... What's like a better analogy? Maybe it's like a pyramid where you need level one's always there and then you add the next layer of bricks on top as level two. With each level, the dynamic completely changes. So it's an entirely different skill set you kind of need to learn with everyone because when you first rock up into a leadership position, the only thing that's going to happen is people are going to acknowledge your position and that's about it. But by the time you're on level five, things are entirely different and you're operating at a totally different level. The other little nuance with these different levels is that the level is not your level. You're on a different level with every person. Somebody who you've just met, you're on a very different level of leadership to somebody who you've, you've worked with or lived with for years. Moving up levels, it's going to take a very long time. To lock building a big, nice, beautiful building, it could take years to put it together, but very quickly, it can be taken down. It's very easy to destroy and tear something down than it is to build. Yeah, whenever anybody asks John, how long does it take to become a good leader and reach level five leadership? What does he say? A long time. <laughs> That's an answer. Very insightful answer. Leadership traditionally begins with position. If you join the army, you become a recruit, then over time you work to earn the rank of private. You step up the, the chain a little bit. Let's say you get a job uh, as a laborer or a salesperson, or waiter or clerk. Uh, then you get the promotion and you become a manager. All of a sudden, you're leading and you're managing people. Yeah, the position, that's a starting place for every level of leadership. It's the bottom floor. It's the foundation upon which leadership is built on. But it's not really real leadership yet. This is obviously level one. That's where you've got to start, but the real influence comes later. Position, it's a good starting place, um, but it's got, it's got its upside and it's got its downsides. So for the upside, the leadership position is usually given to people because they have some sort of leadership potential. Most of the time when you enter the position, it's because someone in a position of authority, probably at a higher level than you, has said, hey, this person's got some potential and sort of picked you. This is pretty good news. So if you're new to leadership and you've been invited to lead something, you really celebrate the fact that some sort of authority believes in you. That is definitely a good thing. And another upside is that it is, it's kind of like an invitation to grow as a leader. If you want to lead, you need to grow. Uh, and if an organization wants to grow, then it needs to have strong leaders and it needs to improve the leadership ability of all of its leaders. So by getting the title, by getting the position, by getting onto level one of leadership, it's kind of like an invitation to say, okay, we've got a bit of faith in you. It's, you can climb these these uh, rungs of the ladder. You can build the bricks on the, the pyramid, whatever analogy we're going with. It's just an invitation to say, here's your starting point. Now, it's all up from here. So they're pretty good things, but as you said, our show, we're starting on the level one, so there's going to be some downsides here. 
And having a leadership position, some sort of authority, it can sometimes be misleading. If you've got a pretty cool title or a position, people are going to identify you with it. But this might be misleading because the position and the title always promises a lot more than it can actually deliver. Big Johnny, Johnny Maxwell, he received his first level one leadership position when he was he was at his church and he was deemed to be the, the leader of this specific group. He was given the position of leadership and so he kicked off the meeting, um, this weekly meeting. He kicked off and you know he says, as the leader, I'm kicking off this meeting as my, as my position. It wasn't too long before Claude sort of started doing the talking and everyone started really looking towards Claude. So whilst Claude didn't have the position, Claude had obviously climbed a few other rungs of leadership because everybody loved Claude. It was clear that he had influence over everybody else in that meeting and John soon realized that even though he had the title, he could have probably snuck out the back door and no one would have even (laughs) noticed that he wasn't even there anymore because Claude was the person who was really getting things done. So John, he was just a positional leader where Claude was much more than that because positional leaders, they're only going to receive people's least. They're not going to receive the best out of the people that they're managing and leading. So some people who work for a positional leader, they might start out really strong, ambitious, innovative and motivated. They rarely stay that way. They probably leave the organization because they're uh, not inspired by the leadership or they turn into a, a different type of worker. Um, one, of course, is the clock watcher. That we've probably all know this pretty well. <laughs> yeah, the clock watchers. The clock watchers are a pretty funny one. They're all, they're often calculating what percentage of the day through are they, or they're counting down how long until I can knock off. Generally, if it's a, a five pm finish time, by about quarter to five, they're doing the rounds. They're saying goodbye to people by four fifty seven. They've already headed to the lift. Probably by 4.59, they're in their car and out the door. And by 5.01, there's not a single car left in the car park. <laughs> so, you got the clock watch. They just love their clocks. They're looking at it all day. They're on their watch. Uh, the other type of employee, of course, is just adjust enough employees. They don't ask, hey, how can I be as valuable as possible as an employee? They ask, how can I just do the bare minimum to keep from getting fired? So, the only commitment they show is really taking off the maximum days for any reason. I know there's a few organizations <laughs> out there. Um, a big corporation of a, oh, I've been in trouble a few times for <laughs> getting too personal in naming it. And then, anyway, but this big corporation, I know all the employees within that union, they got 10 sick days a year. Every single one of them lands on 10 sick days for the year. <laughs> you know, something's up there and you got your just enough employee culture. Yeah, that's right. There's clearly a lot of positional leaders who are just trying to push their titles as their wave authority rather than really leading people. And there's uh, one of your favorite idols, Clarence Francis. As he once said, you can buy a person's time, you can buy their physical presence at a given place, you can buy a measured number of skilled muscular motions per hour, but you cannot buy enthusiasm, you can't buy loyalty, you can't buy devotion of hearts, minds and souls. You have to earn these. That's it. Level one leadership. Wise man, man, Clarence. Clarence was great. (laughs) And level one, of course, is not going to cut it for this. But fortunately, if you're on level one and you're listening right now, you don't have to rely on this and you're not destined to just stay here forever. So how the hell do you make the most of your leadership position shifting from this positional type leadership to what is the next level of permissional type leadership? Well, firstly, you've got to stop relying on your position to push people. The truth is that if you have to tell people that you're their leader, then you're not. (laughs) Yeah, if you have to tell someone, your employees to do something because you're there, the boss, then that's not going to cut it. You You need to go a different way about it. Secondly, you need to trade entitlement for movement. This means 
you can't just say, hey, I'm, I've got, I can hang up the boots now. I've got the cool title, probably got a cool salary. No, this is where it all begins. You need to move and kind of get yourself into that growth mindset. And thirdly, you need to leave your position and move towards people. It's not just enough to just flaunt your title and just wave that in front of people's faces. You really need to actually connect with people and you can't just tell them that you're their leader. You need to earn the feeling that you're their leader. You need to earn their trust. You need to earn their loyalty. Making the shift from level one position to level two permission, it's kind of your first real step into leadership because leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And leaders who rely solely on their positions, they don't really have any real influence. You need to take that step up to permission to actually get a bit of influence and get a bit of real leadership. Yeah, the subordinates just do the things because they feel like they have to in order to just receive their pay, keep their jobs and keep from being reprimanded and so forth. But the more the barriers come down from the leader and the relationships deepen, the broader the foundation for leading others really becomes for the leader. Yeah, when people feel liked, cared for, included, valued, trusted, they actually begin to work together with their leader and they start to work with each other. So now at level two, this is where permission happens and people change from just being mere subordinates to becoming followers for the first time and that means there is movement. Remember, leadership always means that people are going somewhere. They aren't static and this means they're going on the journey with the leader. That's right and again, there's a few upsides and a few downsides. A couple of important upsides of this permission, leadership permission, it makes work much more enjoyable. Positional leaders, they kind of focus their efforts on serving themselves, but on level two, it goes from me to we. Yeah, the workplace becomes a lot more friendly because you're sort of a bit more like a team. Everyone's starting to like each other. There's a bit of chemistry going around the office or the work site. And the followers no longer possess the have-to mindset. Instead, they turn into the want-to mindset. Another good upside is that the leadership with permission, they focus on the value of each person. All great leaders, they value people, they lift the value bar of the organizations and of course, one of the greatest examples of this is uh, Big Nels, Nelson Mandela. He continually modeled a leadership that placed high value on every person. His strength and humility, they're legendary and he was aware just how important it was that he brought this sort of attitude towards leadership and how he valued every single person he came into contact with. So, he said, if you want the cooperation of human beings around you, you need to make them feel that they are important probably came before Carnegie here and you do that no, by... <laughs> well, just purely in age-wise, Carnegie was, okay. was a few decades. Around about the same time yeah. <laughs> and you do this by uh, being humble. This is exactly how he lived as well. There's a story here of when a successful business person named Pete, he was once invited to President Mandela's to have some brekkie. Pete, he dressed in his, his best, he's having brekkie with Mandela here, so exciting times and he asked his driver, Doomy, to take him there. And when Mandela, he was waiting outside and gestured that they enter the house. However, the driver, Doomy, he remained in the car. And as Peter was walking up the steps and he saw Mandela and he said, Peter, I thought, I thought there was two of you. And Peter said, no, no, I'm just here by myself. And Mandela said, well, hang on, I can see there's clearly another bloke there. So Mandela, he walked down, he went to the car, he said, wind your window down, Doomy. And he said, Doomy, come on, have a few croissants with this. Come on inside, mate. That's exactly right. And this is a common thread in all great businesses, governments, and education centers. There's this common culture and feeling that everyone's valued and everyone's respected. And a leader who's on level two can help to set the example that everyone within the organization, no matter their status, 
has some level of importance and value mm. for the company. Yeah, you can imagine uh, two very different styles of leadership. One is that everybody can come in and have a share a bit of breakfast. The opposite end of the spectrum is probably you know someone who's using people as a human, uh, you know, coffee table or something. <laughs> Just <laughs> I was on a, on a show I watched recently. Oh, was it? That's why it popped up into the into the brain using Comedy. people as as furniture. That uh, they're clearly very different styles of leadership. That's for sure. The third upside is leadership permission nurtures trust. So trust, this is the foundation of permission. If you've got integrity with people, you're always doing what you're going to say you're going to do and so forth. You're going to develop some trust. And the more trust that you develop within the people you lead, the stronger that the relationships are going to become. And as James Stockdale said, when the crunch comes, people cling to those they know they can trust, those who are not detached but who are involved. And he probably went on to say those who smash a wooden chair into their face until they're swollen if, if you listen back to our courage episode i don't know if that was the same quote but uh <laughs> <laughs> i don't even notice they he popped up again yeah. Stock, stockdale seems to pop up a fair bit he does still don't know who he is <laughs> you don't remember how he <laughs> he smashed his face with a wooden stool okay now i've got a shocking memory don't I? <laughs> I think those early 20s are I coming that, back to bite. i think that was only last week <laughs> In terms of episode, in terms of recording, it was about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> I've actually forgotten. I probably said the story. I'm dead serious. It was just before the monk who lit himself on fire. Oh, that bloke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Stockdale. Interesting character he is. Jack Welch, moving on to Welch. I've heard of Welch. We all know Welch. He commented, above all else, good leaders are open. They go up, go down, or around their organizations to reach people. They don't stick to established channels. They're straight with people. They make a religion out of being accessible. So there are plenty of upsides clearly with permissional leadership, but of course there are a few downsides as well. Sometimes permissional leadership can kind of appear a bit too soft for some people. If you're in a high performance environment, like a bit intensive, then you kind of want to just push people to get the best out of them. And this permissional side, this caring side, this relational side, it can be seen as a little bit weak. Yeah, I totally get that feeling if you're just trying to be friends with everyone mm. it might seem to some people that you're missing the hard aspects of leadership right like what about the productivity who cares about the soft aspects and being friends if you're not getting results so those who start just being a hard ass but don't develop relationships first they actually end up getting stuck on on level one mm. because it's these soft skills really that need to be developed in order to actually get to the extremely productive levels which you know come come a bit later you can kind of understand it that the high achievers, they want to get things done. They want to get it done now as well. They don't want to take the sort of the slow arc of building long-term relationships. And of course, maybe in the short term, that probably might work. You might achieve more in the short term, but it's really going to come back to bite you down the track. So the best behavior to do and handle this is to strike a balance between care and candor. So a lot of leaders get this balance a little bit wrong because a lot of organizations and i've been in a few organizations where it's you know it's like a family where they try and nurture a culture of a family this is a bit of a mistake because people don't realistically treat their family in a realistic way you sort of got a commitment level that's deeper than others i mean if someone stuffs up and doesn't do anything right for for ages and they're a bit of an asshole they're still coming to the family dinners <laughs> but in a family you'd probably give them the boot <laughs> In No Rules Rules by Reed Hastings, he says the same thing, which we're going to cover at some stage, but 
he says, rather than the metaphor of family, a better metaphor is a bit like a high-performing sports team. Mm. Everyone still cares for each other and works hard for each other, but you're not entitled for a position on the team. One day, you might get traded and might get given the boot. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a, probably a better analogy. <laughs> that's right. The other thing that uh, you can often get confused here is that you know a permission lead, you might just think that means giving your team members permission to do whatever they want, but that's also wrong as well. You know, it, you can't be so nice and fluffy and caring that you just let people work without responsibility or without accountability. You need to really strike that right balance between giving them enough rope, but then also keeping them in line to help them grow and perform better. So, caring values the person while candor values the person's potential. Without that candor, you're not going to let that person and challenge that person really to, to step up into what that person could be, you know, a better version of themselves. As the old proverb goes, faithful are the wounds of a friend, that's a bit of candor, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Yeah, he's a nice one. Mm. So, if you're candid with others, but with their benefit in mind, mm. it doesn't have to be harmful. You can throw them a few spikes and wound them up a little bit, but it's going to be a faithful reason behind it. Okay, level three now is production. Now, this level is where leadership really takes off and we're shifting to another gear. Production qualifies and separates the true leaders from all those bloody wannabes out there and the ones who just want to merely just occupy leadership positions because good leaders always make things happen. They get shit done and they get results. Yeah, you can't fake level three leadership. Like level one, obviously, you can kind of fake it's just the, the position, the title, Level two, it's kind of all about you know building relationships. But level three, once you're hitting this production level, there's no faking it. Either you're getting your results or you're not. Yeah, some never move from level two to level three because they just can't seem to produce results. It's a pretty hard thing. When that's the case, it's usually because they lack some sort of self-discipline or work ethic, organization or skills to be productive. However, if you desire to go to the highest levels of, of leadership, you have to produce results. When you've got production, then you've got a fair bit of credibility as a leader. As the great man Peter Drucker says, he says, there are two types of people in the business community. There are those who produce results, then there are those who give reasons as to why they didn't. So, it's a fair, mm. Drucker likes to druck you up from time to time. He says that you know, authentic leaders, they know the way and they show the way to productivity. They get shit done themselves and they help other people around them get shit done too. Yeah, leaders, they can issue all sorts of fancy-sounding memos and give big motivational speeches to all the organization. It really means nothing. If the rest of the people in the organization don't see you as the leader putting forth your very best effort every single day, you're occasionally jumping in the trenches with your employees, they're not going to be doing the same things either. So, level three leaders take their people where they want them to go. They don't send them there. That's right. Level one and two, they're talking the talk. Level three and above, you're also walking the walk. One day during the American Revolution, George Washington, he was on his horse. He rode up to a group of soldiers. They were trying to raise this beam into a high position on top of this building and there was a the corporal overseeing it from the ground. He was shouting all these words of encouragement. He was giving instructions. He was telling them what to do. But the team, they just weren't managing to get it done. And after watching for a little while this lack of success, Washington said to the corporal, mate, how come you're not jumping in as well? Why don't you help him out? And he says, well, don't you realize I'm the corporal? You know, that's for the, that's for the soldiers to do. So, Washington, he got off his horse and he went over and he, you know, he rolled up his sleeves. He got his hands dirty. He helped the soldiers out. He worked with them until that beam was up in place. As he wiped off the perspiration from his face and probably 
smudged off a bit of dirt as well. He turned to the group and says, look, if you guys ever need help again, just call on Washington. I'm the, the <laughs> commander-in-chief. I'll come and help you. Yeah, it's a great metaphor. I don't know how scalable that, that action is <laughs> for an organization of 100,000. A lot of the employees would be given George a call, but it reads really well, doesn't it? Yeah, you can imagine that you got the <laughs> you see what he's getting. You got the middle management who's just you know barking orders, and then you got the top dog rolls up and and starts lifting the wood. Then you're thinking, okay, that's a real leader. So level three leaders help their people see what productivity looks like, and this is what he's doing. He's modelling. This is how you do it, boys. Get your get your hands dirty and just get it done. It encourages the members of the team and really generates that culture. And this leadership sort of production, it's the foundation of all sorts of team building, because Everyone wants to be on a championship team. No one wants to be on a team that sucks. Yeah. As simple as that. It doesn't matter. Even if you're getting paid more on a shitty team, you want to be on a team that's having some success. Yeah, that's right. When it comes to the end of the season, it's time for contract renewals. If you've just won the championship, not too many people are going to ask for a trade. If you've just won the wooden spoon, all of a sudden everyone's putting their hand up to go oh, somewhere yeah. else to chase a bit of success. You're trying to get out of the team for sure. <laughs> that's right. The good news is that once you reach level three, you sort of know what productivity looks like because you're going to live it. The bad news is, is that having talented people on your team and getting results, it doesn't guarantee success. You still might lose a lot of good players that you really can't win without them. So the difference in this comes from building them, those individual performers, into a team. So as this level three leader on the level of production, then you need to make a few difficult decisions. You need to make the difficult decision to be successful yourself before you try to help others be successful. You need to hold yourself to a, a higher standard than you ask of others. You need to make yourself accountable to others. You need to set tangible goals, reach for them and, and try to exceed them. And you need to accept responsibility for personal results. And you probably need to admit a fair bit of failure and any mistakes along the way quickly and humbly. A common thread I'd say through Maxwell's books is really holding yourself to that higher standard than you ask of others. I really liked in the first uh, book where he spoke about Band of Brothers, Dick Winters. It's always etched in my memory that scene where he's, uh, rather than telling his soldiers to run over the trench and go and attack the enemy in the bunkers, he's always the first one to jump out and risk himself and, you know, doing the things he's asking of others because we've probably all had managers who tell you to do do some sort of dirty work and, and they're on their high horse in some way. It just doesn't really sit well. and you, you don't really get behind that sort of management style. Good leaders on level four invest their time, their budgets, their energy, and their thinking into growing others. And this is the level of people development. I reckon you could have found a single word here. So he's had position, permission, production. You should have. Now he's got people development. It doesn't yeah. have the same... Banger, does it? Yeah. Maybe too. progression? Progression? Yeah, okay. I don't know. No, I reckon he's, he's sold more books than I, I have. Done, so. <laughs> he certainly has. Unfortunately, we'll get there though. Uh, so people development, it sets you apart from most leaders because most leaders are looking for ways to grow their organizations and they usually focus their attention on level three on just getting to production, the results. It's more of a, say, short to medium term sort of thing. But if you're looking to grow a company in the long term, the only way to do that is to grow the people within the organization. And this way you can expand the organization and its potential. And this mm. is by growing and developing the people within it. As uh, Bobby Reich says, I'm not sure who he is, but um, Robert from the pub, he says that if employers fail to upgrade their workers, then they're trying to be competitive only with their capital. 
Anybody can replicate physical capital, but the one resource nobody can replicate is the dedication, the teamwork, and the skills of a company's employees. Develop other people, and you can become a one in a thousand leader. Absolutely. Max, the author, he was once at a circus, and there was a performer there spinning one plate. Then he started spinning another. And like, shit, this guy's pretty talented. He started spinning another and another. There's like six plates spinning. And for a few minutes, he hurried from stick to stick, keeping them spinning so none of them would lose their momentum and everything crashing down. He noticed the more plates were spinning, the faster he had to run from plate to plate to keep them spinning. This is actually how a lot of managers perform on the lower levels. They can hold everything together. They've got a lot of plates spinning around the air, around the organization, a lot of things happening. But as soon as the manager stops everything's going to come crashing mm-hmm. down around them. And you're going to wear yourself out and you as the manager and the leader, you're the one limiting the potential of the organization. Yeah, that's right. The great test of your leadership is not what happens when you're there, but what happens when you're not there. If instead this uh, circus performer, if they had maybe pulled someone up from the audience and taught them how to spin the plate, all of a sudden you've got somebody else, you've developed somebody else to, to spin the plate, all of a sudden you don't have to do so much anymore. If you can develop people to do things without your guidance, then you're going to be a hell of a lot better off and your organization is going to be a hell of a lot better off. That's it. If you're an army of people spinning plates, then you know, right. your job's done, done and dusted. You can hang up the boots and probably get the results, which is pretty exciting. So leadership at this level has a few different aspects. Firstly, it's about positioning in terms of putting the right people on the right bus in the right position course this is a really famous analogy that is uh everyone's heard of from jim collins and this is how he demonstrates the importance of this so in this metaphor as a leader you're not just popping yourself in the driver's seat and throwing people into their seats you're getting the best very best people and putting them on the bus and letting them figure out where the bus is going so you're taking a step back and letting the talent of the people within your organization making the calls about the direction In addition to positioning, another important thing is modeling and uh, that's showing others how to behave. One day, a lady popped up to old uh, Mahatma and said, Mahatma, can you please tell my little boy to stop eating sugar? And Gandhi said, look, come back in three days. And then, you know, three days later, the woman came back with her son and said, Gandhi, can you please tell my boy to stop eating sugar? And Gandhi said, young boy, please stop eating sugar. It's not good for you. (laughs) And the woman was like, what do you need three days for? (laughs) It's like, you couldn't have said this three days ago. But Gandhi said, look, three days ago, I too was still eating sugar. I could not ask him to stop eating sweets as long as I had not stopped myself. Yeah, that's it. It's a very good call by there, Mahatma Gandhi. Now, the third aspect on this level four is is about challenging. So level two, we've built the relationships with the people. You've got a few runs on the board at level three. You've got some results there's a good chance at this stage they're going to buy into you and accept the challenge to improve because they know you're a bit of a weapon walking around, right? So uh, at this stage, you can really ask your people and challenge them to, to develop in different ways. So you might send them books related to their strengths. You might send them to conferences, take on new challenges that are going to put them in their sweet spot, encourage them to practice difficult disciplines that slowly build character and of course, keep meeting with them on a regular basis and keeping those challenges ongoing. Okay, so we've been climbing the ladder here. First rung was all about position. You got a pretty fancy, sweet title, probably a nice salary to go with it, but it doesn't end there. That's leading with position. You're not really doing a hell of a lot. Permission's the next level. When you're inviting the people to follow you, you've got the relationship as a person. You're finding the balance of care and candor. 
Level three, it's about production. You're getting runs on the board. You're doing a good job and you're having some organizational success. Level four, you're taking it to a new level by growing the people within your organization. You're developing them as people. Now, level five is the pinnacle. It's where not you're only developing your people, you're developing them into leaders who can develop people. So you're developing mm. into level four. So, Asher, think about our clown spinning man. Mm. He's spinning the plates. Mm-hmm. So, you know, level four, you're picking people out from the crowd to spin the plates. Mm-hmm. Level five, you're picking out the people who can pick out the people mm. from the crowd to spin the plates. Oh, yeah. So, how many plates can you spin if you're at this level <laughs> of leadership? It's an exp- exponential process, yeah, isn't it? It really is. It really is. If you uh, recruit two friends and they recruit two friends and they recruit two friends, <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> or is this, hey, that's something different? <laughs> well, that's network marketing. They've all read this book because it's the perfect metaphor for what gets used to yeah, throwing you in that direction. Well, to get to the pinnacle, really, like any sort of leadership journey goes through three phases you, you learn, you earn, and your return. So people, you know, at the start, uh, if you want to lead, you need to get better. You know, people, you get your position. Some people kind of want to guard their turf. But if you want to step up from position, you need to learn. You need to be willing to go through this learning phase and slowly climb the levels of leadership. Once you hit the production level, that's probably when you start the earn phase. That's when you start to get those really fancy titles, when you get the the C in front of whatever your title is and you're, you're getting the nice juicy paycheck that comes with it. A lot of people are pretty content to stay here. They've got a nice paycheck. They've got a nice title. They're kind of close to the top, if not at the top. They've got a hell of a lot of status and respect and they just sort of might kick back. But if you want to really take the next level and get to the pinnacle, you got to go to the return phase. And that's when you're willing to give back to others, when you're willing to develop not only people, but also develop their leadership abilities as well. When you develop a follower, you gain a follower. When you develop a leader, you gain a leader and their followers. When you develop a level four leader, you gain a leader who creates other leaders and you gain all the leaders and followers they lead. So this is why level five leaders are so powerful in an organization. And this is what should be our goal of our leadership journey. 